You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, May 26th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, and today our episode is brought to you by the Peacock and Williamson podcast. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the league. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you are subscribing to Peacock and Williamson, also subscribe to Locked On Jets. If you do that, we'll deliver new episodes to your device as they are posted each day. And also give this show a five-star review while you are at it if you like what you hear. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. I will get to as many of them as I can. We begin with a question from Matt who asks, with the rookie pay scale in place, why does it take some teams so long to sign their drafted players? Honestly, Matt, and this is just my theory, I think it's just egos. You have egos in front offices, you have egos when you're talking about agents. And I feel like when you, whenever you put egos like that in a room trying to negotiate something, they will always find something to disagree on because the rookie wage scale was supposed to essentially end holdouts. And I think the number of holdouts has gone down appreciably, but you still do have holdouts and there are issues that need to be negotiated. I talked a little bit about this last week, so I won't spend too much time on this topic, but one of the issues is the schedule of bonus payments. The amount of money the player gets in the signing bonus is set by the rookie wage scale, but the timing of the payment, when the team actually makes the payment, that's up for negotiations. You have other things. You have things like offset language. If the player gets cut and signs with a new team, is the old team still responsible for the money or does that get deducted from the old team's obligations. You also have other language. There are certain negotiations that become kind of difficult because there are things that need to be worked out as far as what circumstances could cause a player's guarantees to be voided. You know, if a player gets fined by the team, if a player gets fined by the league, could the guarantees then become voided? So there are issues to work out. And really, these only come into play with the first round picks. You know, most I I can't remember a holdout I've ever seen of a player drafted after the first round. These things should be pretty simple, though. And you've already seen the Jets have signed a number of their later round picks. I never understand why these negotiations, though, go into the last minute when you're talking first round picks, because those are the players where there could be an issue. So those are the ones that should get done early. I, to me, it's like that's when you, be, you begin negotiations with your first round picks because the rest of them are really easy. You, you pick round, picks in round four, round five, round six, round seven. Those are the easy ones. Those are the ones I feel like you can wait till the last minute on. Yet the first players who are signed are always the late round picks. And sometimes these negotiations for first round picks go to, again to the last minute. Sometimes they even go into training camp with a holdout. I think though you should get started on those early. I kind of blame the team if we're getting too close to training camp, because that shows me you probably did not start the negotiations early enough. And 
one final thing I will say, and this is just my personal outlook on it. I think that if there's ever a first round pick who is not signed in time for training camp, 95% or more of the blame should go to the team because not one of these issues for the team should be a deal breaker. The things that should be a deal breaker for the team would be like salary or, you know, total guaranteed money. But those things are all set by the rookie wage scale. Those things are no longer on the table. The things that could matter for a player like offset or bonus schedule, like I could see where those things would matter for a player. I'm not saying that necessarily they should matter that much for most players, but I can at least understand why they'd matter for a player. For a team, these are such minor issues that they should never be a problem. They should never be the difference between getting your player into training camp on time or not. Our next question John, I've listened to several radio or podcast hosts hint that we should be in the market for Aaron Rodgers. Personally, I think that would be a mistake. However, I'm curious as to your thoughts why more people are not all in on Zach Wilson. He seemed to get much more love before people knew we were drafting him. Even many of our draft grades reflected poorly this year, which really baffles me. Well, draft grades are nothing to get upset about. They're, they have shown to have very little correlation with the actual success your draft class has. So I never really get too fired up about draft grades. Although, I, you know, you always like it when the Jets are graded well, but ultimately it doesn't really matter. I think it's because of what happened with Sam Darnold. I feel like we were just here three years ago. We were all very excited. We were very optimistic. It was a guy who, I mean, I don't think you could say Darnold was can't miss, but he was a guy who I think we all viewed as somebody who could be one of the next great quarterbacks in the NFL. And obviously it did not work out. I just think, I just think after the Darnold experience, people are a little hesitant to get too excited about the young quarterback. You know, I go back a couple of years to when the Jets drafted Quinn and Williams and objectively, everybody should have been really, really excited about it. The Jets got a guy who was a phenomenal prospect, looked like he was going to be a star level performer on the defensive line and really so far has lived up to the potential but the issue with Quinton Williams is that Jets fans had been through this before. We had heard that we got, it's unbelievable, this guy fell to us. He may be the best talent in the draft. You know, we, we drafted another, a guy who's going to make a big impact on the defensive line. We'd been through that before. We drafted Copels and Wilkerson and Richardson and Leonard Williams. I think at, by that point, people were just tired of hearing that we got this unbelievable talent in the first round because that had happened so many times. It happened with Leonard Williams. It happened with Jamal Adams. People were not expecting Darnold to fall. And then it was another case where this guy's going to help us control the trenches on the defensive side. of the. We'd heard that before with all the defensive linemen the Jets had drafted. And the lack of team success, I think, led people to maybe unfairly hold that against Quinn and Williams, maybe not be as excited as they should be. Because on paper, the drafting of Quinn and Williams was very excited. And I think a lot it was very exciting. And I think a lot of the same principles are at play here with Wilson. Objectively, everybody should be really excited. It's not to say that Zach Wilson's guaranteed to be a great success in the NFL, but your team just drafted a guy who would have been the number one overall pick in a lot of different in a lot of drafts. You know, the fact he was not the number one overall all pick this year may have come down to the fact Trevor Lawrence was part of this draft class, and Lawrence is as highly thought of as a, of a as a prospect as we've seen maybe in a decade in the NFL. I think people are maybe just protecting themselves. We've it's kind of we've been down this road before. We were we were supposed to have the guy three years ago, and now we're right back here and we're hearing all the same things. And to be honest with you, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world for Zach Wilson. You know, as silly as it is, I think that Zach, the fact Zach Wilson is coming in and doesn't have all the all the spotlight on him, doesn't have all these expectations on him. 
I don't think that's a terrible thing. I think the fact that maybe the fan base is a little bit more cautious, the fan base is not going to put all these crazy expectations on him in year one, that they're going to go in maybe a little hesitant. That could be a good thing for Zach Wilson. It's Look, you're the starting quarterback in New York as a rookie. There's always going to be a degree of pressure on you. You're going to have a lot of spotlight. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for for maybe Wilson to have more realistic expectations, generally speaking, from this fan base. Built's Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. These may be protein bars, but they taste like candy bars. They're delicious. They're covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And they're healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five. For 15% off at Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R dot com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question. I actually think the Jets did a great job finding a backup quarterback for the upcoming season. They drafted one second overall, and his name is Zach Wilson. It's the starting quarterback that we got wrong. It looks like Aaron Rodgers has all but demanded a trade from Green Bay in his interview with Kenny Mayne. What do you think? The last time the Jets traded for an aging quarterback, it worked out pretty well until he was derailed by a late-season injury. Rodgers would be a great mentor for Wilson to sit behind. Well, I have a couple of thoughts. First of all, I don't think that there's any chance the Jets are going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think the Jets want to give up the package it would require. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers would want to come to the Jets. You know, if I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to go into a situation where the team is kind of at the beginning stages of the rebuild you know I think we're, we're moving this is the stage where the Jets should improve you know we're, we're, kind of, we're moving forward but I don't think they're to the point I think Rodgers wants to go win a championship right now so I don't think the Jets are the team he'd want to come to even though I do think the Jets are moving in the right direction I also think that even if I'm wrong on that and Green Bay theoretically would trade Rodgers to the Jets and Rodgers would want to come and the Jets would give Green Bay what they wanted Zach Wilson's part of the package that's going to Green Bay. I, I don't see how the Jets. I don't see how this trade works without the Jets sending Zach Wilson to Green Bay because all reports are Jordan Love is not ready to take over as starting quarterback for the Packers. Um, you know, another thing I would say is that I think that this Favre year gets kind of romanticized because everybody talks about the eight and three start. Well, you know, I remember two thousand eight. It was the first year I did the website GangreenNation.com. Absolutely, absolutely nobody was say, viewing that year as a success when it ended. Everybody thought Favre was a complete failure at the end of the 2008 season. I mean, you can go back. You want to read through some of the reports from the final game of the season when they lost to the Miami Dolphins. I mean, I think Favre threw three interceptions. Their guys, people, fans were throwing away their Favre jerseys off the upper deck at the stadium. It was an ugly situation. You know, I just... I, it's tough for me to have a thought, though, on Rodgers coming to the Jets just because I don't think it's really plausible. I don't think it's the direction the Jets want to go in, and I don't think it's the direction Rodgers wants to go in. And, I mean, the Jets drafted Wilson second overall. I don't think, I don't think they drafted him to be a backup quarterback. I think they drafted him because they're expecting him to be able to play sooner rather than later. And sooner seems like it could be week one because... Again, the Jets really have not done much at the backup quarterback spot. 
Next question. If the Jets finish 7-10 and or 8-9 and by winning 3-5 or 4-5 to end the season, would there be another fan revolt for playing themselves out of a possible top-five pick? I would say no. I think this year is very different from winning the two games in December last year or the 2019 6-2 second half finish. See, in 2019, you could see that there was really no progress being made. You could see that those, those wins really meant nothing. Last year, again, you knew everybody was getting fired. You knew the roster was being overhauled. That was not a sign. Those wins were not a sign of a team making progress. This year is very different because you have a young core. You have a team that should be on the rise. You're hoping that this team is going to be vastly improved this year. And if you finish the season strong this year, odds are it's going to be a sign that a team is coming together. Guys are developing. You're building momentum going forward. So I think it's very different. Draft position is not the only thing you're focused on this year. This year you want to see these these players play well too because this the core is now in place. In a way, it was not last year. In a way, it was not two years ago. You know, last year you were kind of just looking at the quarterback. I think a lot of people were just focused on can the get, Jets get Trevor Lawrence. Two years ago, I mean, honestly, like when I was watching those games, the most significant thing to me was – are the Jets going to keep Adam Gase? And it seemed to me like every win the Jets got the second half of that year made it more likely that Adam Gase was staying. This year, it's about building something to go forward. You got you hopefully have the coach in place. You hopefully have your young quarterback. You hopefully have a good core around him. This is the type of year where you want it to be like, you know, I don't know if you remember the year San Francisco traded for Garoppolo. They got off to the horrible start. Then they traded for Garoppolo, and I think they won like five straight to, to finish the season. Or Baker Mayfield's rookie year with the Browns when they were coming off that 0-16 season. And, you know, they got off to the slow start, and they made the coaching change. And then they were really tough out the rest of the year. And while neither of those teams actually had success the following season, it kind of laid the groundwork. Those finishes kind of laid the groundwork for future success, even if it didn't come immediately the next year. So I think it's a very different situation with the Jets this year. I don't think this is a situation where fans should be rooting for better draft position. I think the specifics are very, very different from where they were 2019, 2020, where people maybe were upset and you could argue justifiably so when the team was winning some late season games. Next question. Is it a fair assumption that the Salah Albrick defensive scheme can work with mid-tier corners zone coverage rather than man, which is why they waited to address this area until the later until the later rounds? Or are the front office and coaching staff very confident they can coach late rounders into starters? I think there's some nuance in the answer. I think first of all, this is something we said heading into the offseason. There was just no way the Jets were going to be able to address all of their needs in one offseason. There was something that was going to have to go unmet, and that thing happened to be the corner position. Now, fortunately, I mean, I feel like we go into a lot of Jets offseasons, and like none of their core needs are, needs are met. The Jets, the Jets did address a lot of their needs, but they were not going to be able to address everything. Corner was not the priority. Now, if you look at the way Salah builds his defense, I mean, I think it's pretty clear Salah wants to build his defense up front first and then worry about the back of the defense later on, especially the corner position. And I do think Salah's shown some degree of ability to coach guys up at the corner position. I just think it's, but I think ultimately it's just a, not, a position that's not complete, completely built. And there, there was always going to be one of those for the Jets in 2020. And I think the Jets showed you their, their priorities. I think they showed you that their priority, first and foremost on the defensive side of the ball is building the front and then they'll worry about everything else going forward after that I think this offseason now hopefully the Jets do maybe strike lightning you know maybe catch lightning in a bottle with some of these late round corners that they drafted 
you know, that would certainly help things out. I don't know if they're counting on any of these guys, though. I just think it shows you more of their priorities. They, they would rather have, you know, they'd rather build the pass rush first and then deal with the coverage later on. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, should the Jets consider trading for Nick Foles to be the backup and mentor to Wilson? If so, what would, it be, what would be an appropriate price that would be acceptable? I don't love the idea of trading for Foles. I mean, it's not that it's a ton of money, but he doesn't have a terribly favorable contract. I mean, he's still got $5 million guaranteed next year. I'd kind of rather wait for him to be cut. Now, if he gets cut, I don't mind bringing him in. But I don't love the idea of giving up a draft pick for a guy without – it's not that it's a lot of money, but it's not like a really favorable contract. And I just have a tough time envisioning anybody trading for him on that contract. I think you wait for him to get cut. I don't – maybe that maybe I'm overvaluing late-round picks or maybe I'm overvaluing how much $5 million really counts for in the grand scheme of things. But I don't love the idea of committing to – I feel like you'd almost be committing to Foles for two years as your backup – if he gets again, if he gets cut and you can sign him, like I just have a tough time though envisioning anybody trading for him with that contract he's got. Next question: When would you consider extending his contract or giving Joe Douglas a raise? I'm really impressed with his approach, and I believe over the long haul he will prove to be successful, even if picks like Zach Wilson don't pan out. After all, Wilson only had a 7.0 grade with Jacksonville. Well, Douglas still has four years left on his contract, so I don't think there's any rush to give him an extension. I think, you know, you need to see how these moves actually work out. I, I agree with you. I like a lot of things about his approach, but it's not just about the approach. It's about how effectively you can implement your plan. It's one thing to have the plan. You have to you have to have the plan. Lots of Jets, past Jets general managers did not have the plan. I think Douglas has the plan. The question is, can he implement it? But you know, he's not near the end of his contract. He's not close to the end of his contract. So I'd wait. To, I'd wait at least a couple of years. I want to see results before I'd be willing to give him a contract extension. Next question: There is an offensive coordinator and a quarterbacks coach to coach slash mentor Zach Wilson. No foals is necessary. Let Zach roll with Captain Morgan as his backup. It's not like the Jets are a playoff team that needs a quarterback pinch hitter, right? I'd agree with half of that. I think the idea of the veteran quarterback to be the mentor is pretty overrated. As you mentioned, they have coaches to do that job. There's no, I, I've never seen any sort of correlation between the quality of your quote unquote mentor, who the you know the veteran quarterback you bring in to mentor, and the and the way the quarter the way the, the young rookie quarterback turns out. I don't you know. Can it be helpful to have like somebody as a sounding board to kind of show you, you know, this is how you prepare, this is how you watch film, this is how you work? Yeah, I'm sure that can be helpful, but I don't think it's something that's a determining factor. I do think like from a practical sense, though, you got to have a quarterback who can step in if you know Wilson's not ready to start on day one or if he gets hurt. You know, 
I'm not expecting the Jets to be a playoff team this year. This could be a competitive team, though. If they get a few lucky bounces, they could be right in the mix for an AFC wild card, especially with the new format where you get have seven teams make it. Getting a seven seed is not that hard, even if you're not a great team. So you know, if you get into a situation where Wilson goes down for a game or two, having somebody who's able to step in to save your season could be a big deal. And again, I don't think this is something the Jets did very effectively during the course of the offseason. That is our show for today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a five-star review. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.